Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman. Just a two-man show for today. It is 10.35, David, on a Monday morning. The first round of the high school football playoffs for at least classes 5A and 6A are in the books. Mm-hmm. So let's um, let's talk about it, man. I, I always love, especially the start of the postseason, because we've been, I mean, we've been watching these teams compete against the same level of competition in their respective districts for you know so many weeks now, and we've discussed these teams in a certain way within the framework of how it applies to that district. So once you get to that first round of the playoffs, the by-district round, it's really the first time since like back in September during the non-district portion of the schedule in which you're seeing these teams dip outside their comfort zone a bit. So it is always fascinating to see just kind of what you learn from that first round as far as maybe the strength of one district versus another. And um, just the little, um, just the things that kind of surface in the playoffs now under a completely different pretense under the, uh, the winner-go-home set that you uh, you don't otherwise get in the regular season, and um, obviously, no doubt, there were some uh, plenty of uh, plenty of fascinating takeaways from the first no round. Question. So, let's just kind of go around the horn and just kind of just just discuss what happened. Sure. I mean, we had games Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Teams, you know, in six A D one, D two, five A D one, and D two. Just so a a lot to get to. So, um, let's start though. Um, let's actually kind of work in reverse. Let's start on Saturday and talk about, I guess, your game right out of the shoot. What sounded like it was a uh, at least for a while there, you almost had some uh, some nice little theater between uh, Capel and, uh, and Denton Geyer. Ultimately, though, this is one though that the Wildcats win, kind of going away fifty-two to twenty-four. But it wasn't without um, you know a pretty spirited effort there by uh, by Capel. So I mean, you were out there at Ch Collins Stadium on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, so what was yeah? I mean, what were your takeaways from this one? What did you learn um, in this uh, in this by district matchup? Well, first of all, even in loss, you got to say that capel has got a lot of heart for sure i mean you're down 24 to 24 to 3 i i, I was even telling the, the tom doer who does the play-by-play for uh, capel radio at mm-hmm. halftime like they actually did a phone interview with me at halftime okay and uh like i told him like the first thing i told him i'm like hey i was just a, like if you asked me 30 minutes ago i was gonna about write my story you know for this game you know just to say how good denton guyer was and mm-hmm. but all of a sudden like here comes Capel. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just been kind of like a microcosm of their season. They'll have, like, you know, one good, very good stretch of play. Then they'll have, like, another one. Like, you know, everything's cut the timings off and, like, you know, just not good complimentary football. But, mm-hmm. I mean, just the way that they came back was just, like, inspiring. Uh, like, the way that they got down is uh, – uh, the the guy's you know running game for I mean, sure i mean i've like you know we knew coming into this game eli stowers was gonna you know be somewhat of a factor but he wasn't as much of a factor as like their two running backs mm-hmm. byron phillips and ty and Allridge. okay um 
Uh, Allridge had 99 rushing yards in this game, but the big big story in this game is Byron Phillips, their uh, junior uh, senior running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, 209 rushing yards, three touchdowns. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. He was he, he's a bulldozer. This this guy weighs over two two like 200 pounds. I think he's like two listed 215. Yeah, he's a physical running yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, and he just worked Capel's game. But as far as like their like the, what made the comeback, you know. Great was that you know like after getting down twenty four to three it's like okay what is Capel going to do to be able to you know like stop these guys I mean they, like they're already you know just wanting the battle up front of the trenches right mm-hmm. there um, but like they they found some answers like they got some stops uh, one of the stops um, you know it happened because of a guy or penalty um, they got called for like an illegal block in the back they were trying to run like a they were throwing a lot to the sideline uh, because they didn't have their top receiver, Grayson O'Bara. He was out with an injury. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was out with yeah. the, the injury. So they were throwing a lot of sideline passes in this game. So they threw one, and then he, uh, one of the receivers cut back, and then they got called from the legal block of the back penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allowed Capel to get the ball back, and then you just give Capel one shot, and then they can just go on a little run. Um, KJ Liggins had a touchdown. You know, he, he played for Geyer last year. I'm sure that had to feel nice for him. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Just a, just a like, tiny bit of revenge, but mm-hmm. I'm – but he only played for them one one season, um, so uh, that that was one. And then uh, right before the half, uh, Anthony Black, um, he didn't get the touchdown, but he set up this touchdown with this amazing catch. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Ryan Walker just threw it over towards the right sideline with less than a minute left, and then between two defenders, like Black just times his jump perfectly. Really? The other two defenders are on their ground, and here's Black in the air. He catches it, gets it down to the one yard line. Jason Nagu gets to the gets to the goal line, punches it in with 27 seconds left in the first half and then you're only down seven points at the halftime okay so and then the good thing for capel is that they get the ball to start the second half so what they do is like they they just go score a touchdown so they're tied 24 to 24 wow, all of a sudden all the capel fans are going crazy guys like what the heck is going on That's here impressive because you just expect guyer yeah. with their i mean when you're a run first offense like they are the, yeah. you just the ability to control the clock i mean you'd think that that's mm-hmm. something that would help you protect a lead of that caliber but now yeah fair play to capel for making that comeback so then what did then guyer do then to uh, to get some separation and kind of put this one away you just alluded to it as a running game and they got the run game going again yeah okay. yeah um uh, Capel, like uh, they got, they got a uh, guy answered uh, the touchdown. The Capel score to make it twenty four to twenty four, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think uh, Phillips scored on the next drive, so it's thirty one to twenty four Geyer. But then, unfortunately, on the next drive, Capel was actually driving in inside a Geyer territory, and Geyer got a pick six. Really. So okay. yeah, yeah, I saw a video of that on your Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah so that's yeah. I, I apologize a, about the the dull blurs in there because I had to go between different window panes right there. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, that was kind of like the undoing right there. They had the pick six, and then unfortunately, you know, the Geyer's rushing game was so much too much in this game. Uh, they finished with 396 rushing yards in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, in one drive, it, I think it was. Late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, they went 98 yards, 17 plays. Guess how many passes they made? Zero. Zero. They <laughs> did with all running plays. Wow. So that's, that's just a staple of Geyer's offense right yeah. there. So they scored right there. They took a lot of time off the clock, and they just ran out the clock from there. 
Yeah, it's um, still, I mean, obviously, there's still a solid season for Capel, being able to get back in the playoffs after missing out last season. And, um, yeah, just, again, a, a matchup that they, uh, you know, you, you credit them for making the comeback that they did. But, I mean, you knew going in that Geyer's run game was going to have a bit of an advantage if they were able to establish things up front. And mm-hmm. at least for a moment there, you know, it took them a little while and, you know, already incurring a little uh, adversity out of the shoot. But um, ultimately, yeah, Geyer able to win this one going away 52-24. to 24. That, um, that same afternoon, there was a game out in Marcus, which finally got to see the anticipated matchup between Prosper and Marcus. This was one of the more high-profile first-round matchups. And, uh, well, you kind of got word, you know, at least I heard Friday night that um, it was looking like the uh, the tea leaves were starting to read that Garrett Nussmeyer would not be uh, good to go for this game on uh, on Saturday. So, obviously, yes, the situation that um, you know everybody was just waiting on pins and needles to see his status after injuring his non-throwing hand in their uh, their last regular season game against Plano East. He uh, he was um, he was unable to go for this one, so it meant thrusting a backup quarterback Jackson Warren into duty. And by all accounts, um, you know it sounds like he at least for the first quarter and a half or so, like this was a fairly competitive game. Mm-hmm. This was a game that Prosper was you know still in in moderate control of early on. It was a seventeen to thirteen lead for Prosper in the uh, late in the second quarter, and then Warren gets injured while taking a sack. Um, so right there, you're just thinking like, oh goodness, like how I mean, how can we've already had crap luck with the you know our district MVP quarterback, <laughs> you know, not being able to play in this game. Now the backup, you know, is is labored as well. Now Warren did return to action. He did play out the second half, but you know, reportedly was you know did look like his play was a little bit labored by the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Marcus just never got it going in the second half. They were held to just six points. Prosper wins this one, going away thirty-eight to nineteen. Um, you know, big games for Jackson Berry, quarterback at Prosper. His top target, Cameron Harple star tight end. Um, you know, they scored a couple touchdowns in the second half to really blow the game open 31-13. to 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you knew going in that no, no matter who Marcus had a quarterback, that you know, this was going to be, there was at least the potential there for this to be a tough game, moving the ball against a defensive status Prosper's mm-hmm. and that kind of panned out. Prosper only allowed 284 yards which, I mean, without doing the research that has to be close to a season low for Marcus. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> his, I mean, with the firepower that that team operated with all season long. You got five total touchdowns from Jackson Berry. You know, Jackson Warren, all things considered, still had a fairly decent day. He was 19 of 28 passing for 231 yards and yeah. two touchdowns. They really did struggle, though, to get things going on the ground. They didn't have their lead running back, Gabe Espinosa, in this one as well, it appeared. Um, it's just, you know... <clears throat> Unfortunate for Marcus, man. Yeah, man. It's just it's this is why you know, unfortunately, sports uh, they can kind of suck sometimes. Because yeah. I mean, this Marcus team. I mean, we covered them as part of District Six Six A. We saw them all season long, and just how I mean, this team was such a, in a tier of its own in that uh, in that district. They, I believe, Capel was the team that played them closest, and that was uh, a fourteen point game. So they won every game in the district by at least fourteen points. Mm-hmm. This was, I mean. On paper, at least, this was the best team they've had since their state championship team in 1997. And it just, you know, it stinks that, you know, for just, uh, you know, a freak injury, you know, to, to their star quarterback that, you know, part this. And again, there's no, that's not to say that this is the only reason why Prosper won, because there is no accounting for how Nussmeyer would have played. Yep. For all we know, that Prosper defense makes his life complete hell in that yep. game. And, you know, Prosper still ends up winning that thing. It just, it just sucks that we don't get to know the finality of what this season would have been for Marcus. Marcus at full strength. I would just say that 
you know, we don't know, like, because the schedule was set up for them to do you know, pr- go pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah, as we outlined in the well, um, last week, when just looking over the bracket, there is a pathway for whoever won this game. You know, if you can get by, I mean, now Prosper has, a, you know, a pretty solid Arlington Bowie team coming up, but there's a pathway there to where you can, you know, you can make a nice little three, four round run, it appears. Because yeah, it looks like you could, if you would have won this game and get on a little bit of run, like, you know, the biggest challenge would have been in the fourth round against Denton Geyer. For sure. But, I mean... I mean, for like you know how tough it is to see Marcus's season come to an end. You got to give credit for the way Jackson Warren just came in, mm-hmm. especially in that given those circumstances right there, and not only the way he came in, just to show his toughness to mm-hmm. come in after he got injured. And you, you know how big some of those guys are in Prosper's defense. Absolutely. So I mean, for me, I mean, I'd be gone for like you know I would, that'd be career ending for me. Just know how <laughs> frail I am. So, but I mean, he's he's you know give him credit for being tough like mm-hmm. that for for hanging in there and saying, you know, I'm going to put my, inj- I'm going to put my, like, you know, my team over my injury right here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, we're going to say a lot of good things about this Marcus team. I mean, I, you know, you don't want to say the what ifs, but I mean, if you look at the overall scope of this season, they, they, they did so many good things. For sure. Absolutely. It's again, it's up there with the best seasons that the program has ever had. I mean, the, the, the talent that they had on offense, just the, the level that that group was operating at when everything was clicking, when you get Nussmeyer flushed out of the pocket, you got his receivers just finding ways to just make something out of nothing and yep. boom, 50 yard touchdown pass. Like it's nothing. I mean, this team was just such in their defense, so deep, so mm-hmm. talented. Um, I mean, they was this was such a good team, and like I said, it's a shame that you know you lost you know one of the few guys just that you could ill afford, and you know ultimately you didn't get to really kind of end the season the way that you had hoped with as promising a year as it was setting up to be. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough luck for for Marcus that things had to end this way. But Prosper now has a big opportunity in front of itself. You know, after the run that they made last year, yeah. we'll see if they can uh, make some magic work again. I mean, you know, this is a Prosper team that's been battle tested, mm-hmm. and you know, like the last second last second loss to Allen, you know who won, went on to win district is like one of the top teams in the state. And then Denton Geyer, who's, you know, who they got a chance to maybe face in the fourth, you know, not uh, facing the fourth round again. And yeah, that would be great that, if we get to see them run it back, especially with as good as that game was. Prosper certainly feeling like that's a game they should have won. Um, yeah, if we get that, if that's if that's winds up being the regional final, and obviously these teams still have to win a few games. Yeah, we can't get ahead just opponents. too far yet. But um, now that that would be great if that's if that does materialize with as good as that first meeting was. Um, so yeah, look at kind of where things are at at least for the uh, the schools that we had competing. This was over in the six A Division two bracket, over in uh. Six a Division One. We can talk a little bit about um, my man. My big takeaway from this on Friday was uh, Louisville's offense is just. I mean, what more can you say? How many more? Just how much? How much more praise can we heap on this group as they just continue to just? I mean, that the, whatever version I saw at Clark Stadium <laughs> against Plano West, that is just at least for the time being, it is dead and buried because they have uh, they have turned the corner and they have not looked back with some of the numbers that they've put up ever since. They double up McKinney Boyd forty eight to twenty four. That is the most points allowed by Boyd all season. That's more than Allen scored on Boyd. That's more than Geyer scored on Boyd. That's more than Rockwald Heath scored on board. It just speaks to the level that Louisville is executing at right now. No question. Um, 557 total yards, and it was it was a constant barrage. Like in the game against Allen, Allen ended up winning that game 42 to nine, but they scored 21 of their points in the fourth quarter. So they you know battled some uh, you know some malaise you know mm-hmm. those first few quarters after their uh, their little uh, COVID hiatus with Louisville. It was 14 in the first quarter. 
13 in the second, 14 in the third. It was just a barrage. They never slowed down. It was just big plays left and right. I don't even... I don't even bat an eye when Davian Martinez goes over 200 yards anymore. It's I that's mean, expected. I know it's it's yeah yeah. I need to see. I mean, I should have. I mean, I should have already had the number in front of me. How many times he's done that this season? But he has 293 and five touchdowns. Hands down, the most success that any individual players had versus Boyd's defense this season. I mean, there's games where Boyd has given up less than 293 yards to an entire team, <laughs> and Davian Martinez eclipsed that in one in one uh, in one ball game. Taylor Green was efficient. He, he averaged 25 yards per completion. He was 8 of 14 for 201 yards. Um, I mean, again, great season by McKinney Boyd to no be question. able to overcome the start that they did, battle through the injuries that they did, and still find a way to get into the playoffs after having missed out, you know, basically since 2014 was their last time they were in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Louisville team is in a groove right now, and like I said, that version that got shut down by Plano West is is a, is in the rearview mirror for sure, and you know, you now have a matchup coming up later this week, which we'll obviously talk about later on um, when we're previewing some of the second round matchups in Thursday's podcast. Them and Arlington Martin is going to be a fun football game on Thursday. A fun football game. Those are, t- I mean, that Arlington Martin team has got a uh, just their playoff pedigree is, is well documented. They have one of the uh, uh, a coach and Bob Wager who is will throw the kitchen sink when he has to, and mm-hmm. that is a team that plays fearless in the postseason. And uh, yeah, I mean, whatever the uh, you know the the hypothetical betting line is as far as the over under, bet the over for Louisville Martin. Man, that's yeah. going to be a fun football game. Um, so yeah, that um. That was obviously a very big takeaway. Then you had this game uh, with Saxe and Skyline over in Region 2, which, I mean, you know, listening to Devin Hassan and his astute breakdown of this game and Saxe just in general right now and a team that has shown so much potential. You know, they've showed these flashes where they look great and everything is clicking and the offense just can't be slowed. Alex Orgi, the quarterback, is just unstoppable. And, I mean, the numbers bear out. He's been great this season, but it's just been consistency that has eluded this team, especially over the second half of the season. And you kind of had a bit of a microcosm surface in this first-round loss to uh, to Skyline. This was a 21-14 to victory for the Skyline Raiders in a game that Saxe led after one quarter, 14 to nothing. And they're going to put keep the foot on the gas, but... Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, yeah, you come out 14 nothing, you know, a couple touchdowns from Alex Orgia, the quarterback, yeah. and then you are held scoreless the rest of the way. You give up 21 unanswered points. I mean, you look at the way it materialized in the second and third quarters combined, two turnovers on downs, they missed a field goal, a slew of punts mixed in, and then Skyline, they score 21 unanswered, and I showed you the video of the highlight, but if you haven't, go uh, just go to Twitter Seek out the uh, seek out the touchdown that Skyline wide receiver Quadarius Davis, a, UFC, a USC commit. I was about to say UFC. Um, the touchdown well, that he had. Well, he could do like a flying, you know, kick if he oh, wanted yeah, to. No, he's an incredible display of athleticism in this 55-yard touchdown catch that he had. Just a short pass, yeah. but it's what he did after the fact that is so spectacular. It was just a little short route um, on the outside, a little flat that he then catches. He hurdles over a Saxy defender and then races 50. 50 more yards, just weaves his way across the field, outraces the entire defense to the end zone, and that was the go-ahead touchdown with 3.40 left in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, as as nice a highlight as you'll see this season. Um, and yes, and that was the uh, 
the finality of the season for Saxy. Just a strange year for Saxy. You know, like I said, flashes of brilliance, but ultimately really struggled to put together four solid quarters. As a result, they lost five of their last six ball games. You'd have to go back a ways to find out the last time that that happened to Saxy. Um, they finished the year just three and six overall. And as we were talking about beforehand, David. Apparently, we might be to blame for this because they just weren't voted Game of the Week enough. What, what was their record? <laughs> there was so we voted. So, so Saxy was voted by the readers um, as Game of the Week twice this season. One for the game against Garland and their game against South Garland. They won both those games and won those games fairly convincingly. Mm-hmm. In the other seven football games they played this season, just one and six. Now they were to be fair, they were on the ballot for this past week. So who knows if the uh, if the stars had aligned and they had been voted game of the week maybe that is just the uh, the intangible the spotlight that they would have needed to uh to persevere and uh and score something over those last three quarters but um just a uh an odd year for Saxy, all things considered certainly one that's um you know kind of fell short from the mark that that program has established for itself in recent years um you know so they go one and done 21 to 14 lost to skyline um you know my game the game that i was at on friday i saw plano west um, have its season. It's a, its momentous return to the postseason come up short in a in a thirty four to thirteen loss to Allen. Um, you know, it's honestly for the first quarter and a half. Like this was a six to six ball game heading into the uh, the final few minutes of the uh, of the first half. You know, Plano West did a really good job of imposing its tempo. You knew what they were going to mm-hmm. do going in. They weren't going to throw the ball unless they absolutely had to. They were going to do everything that they could to establish that run and just bleed clock. And you saw their first drive, even though they ultimately had to settle for a field goal, they were able to bleed seven minutes off the clock. And right there, three zero lead on uh, on Allen. They actually held Allen to a. Um, to a um, actually, Allen scored a touchdown, and then Allen, for whatever reason, tried to go for two right out of the shoot, and that fell short. So, um, you know, but with Plano West, you saw that they had a lot of success moving the chains. They were able to stay out of the third mediums, the third longs that a run-centric offense wants to theoretically avoid. Um, but again, like Allen's defense, a bit of a bend don't break sort of thing. You know, with yeah. again only giving up a, you know two field goals on two drives by uh, by Plano West. That I believe again that second drive, you know. Shed a, you know, shedded like you know five six minutes off the clock. So they had two drives right there that you know about twelve minutes of game clock. They um, were able to to run off. So in theory, like it all worked, you know, as far as being able to limit Allen's you know snaps on offense. But just your margin for error is so slim, mm-hmm. and all it took was um you know a, a bust on defense. In this case, late in the second quarter, it was a um they just forgot to track the um, the H back with Allen. They were out of position with their alignment. It led to uh to Let's see, uh, Carson McKay getting wide open down the middle of the field, and then General Moody just put it on him. There wasn't a defender within 15 yards of him, and he just strolls into the end zone for a 54-yard touchdown. Allen goes up 13-6, to and then on the following drive, a nice pass rush up front from Diego Avila, just a sophomore for Allen. That leads to a Cason Smith interception, and then Allen scores moments later on a touchdown pass from General Moody to Bryson Green. And it's 20-6 to at the half, and even then, you kind of felt like that window of opportunity opportunity for Planet West might be shutting, just given the way that the first half had materialized. Tabor Yates, who was so instrumental to the start of the game, he injures his ankle in the first half, and it's just that's just kind of the just the year in a nutshell for him, unfortunately. He just had a really, really tough time staving off that injury bug, um, and Planet West just couldn't really ever get momentum back in the uh, in the second half. They 
those third and mediums, third and longs that they were able to avoid, they ended up having to face a few of those and could not pick anything up. So it was, um, yeah, ultimately one, though, that Allen's able to win kind of going away 34-13. to 13. Still a great season for West, kind of like McKinney no Board in that sense, a team that snapped a long playoff drought. We've talked at length about what they've been up against over the years, so um, just nice to see the arrow pointing back up for that program. Um, with Allen, I mean... They've got a fun one coming up on Friday. This is one that certainly, uh, you know, turned a few heads with what South Grand Prairie did in really kind of handling an undefeated Lake Highlands team, a Lake Highlands team that had put up numbers, offensively at least, that were on par with what Allen's done this season with mm-hmm. their uh, their quarterback-running back combo of uh, Mitch Colson and Noel Whitehead. And they were uh, they were kind of handled 38-14 to 14 against a South Grand Prairie team. Lots of speed on that Warrior defense. So mm-hmm. uh, that should make for a pretty fun, uh, some fun matchups with um, Allen's of, uh, of skill position threats. That game is going to be Friday out at Globe Life Park. Um, so let's see then. Let's talk. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit of a, a little bit of five A. Um, let's see. As far as this one goes, um, I mean, you look at. I'm just looking through some of the scores, and there were. Uh, I mean, you know, not not a whole lot in terms of competitive games. No. First go Independence, fifty eight to ten over Woodrow Wilson. First go Lone Star, sixty one to fifteen over W T White. Uh, unfortunately, McKinney North had its season come up short. Um, Magnolia beat them forty eight to nine. You did see Wakeland's defense acquit itself fairly well. I think all things considered, given the pedigree and the the uh, the, the the caliber of a of team that uh, that Lancaster has this season. This was a fairly competitive game, at least for the most part. Now, ultimately, Wakeland's offense only able to muster six points. Yeah. Lancaster can certainly play some defense as well. But this is one that Lancaster only was able to win 29 to 6. Interesting. So I think, um, I mean, all in all, I mean, uh, you know, a solid showing for the Wolverines, even in defeat, able to, you know, kind of slow that Lancaster offense down far, you know, much, much, uh, you know, far fewer points than that team had been accustomed to. I mean, they were, they were beating teams in that district by 80 on yeah. the regular. I mean, so, um, yeah, not, not, a, not a bad showing by Wakeland by, uh, by any stretch. No. Um, you know, over in Division Two, um, you know, Liberty, you know, kind of had a, uh, had a bit of a tough go. You know, they, I mean, Ennis is number one in the state for a reason, mm-hmm. and they kind of flex that by, uh, by winning 48 to nothing, 49 to nothing. Love Joy 45, Greenville 30. A little closer than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, this was one I think a lot of people would have kind of figured that Lovejoy might have a, a bit of an easier time than this one than they otherwise did. This was a game that Lovejoy was only up 21 to 15 at the half. Um, and Greenville actually outgained Lovejoy in this game, 497 to 414. Oh, wow. But Lovejoy was able to win the turnover battle 3 0. Um, but it was just, again, just kind of an up and down game for that offense, as strong as they've been all season. Again, they still scored 45 points. So, yeah. again, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, they punted five times. They had a turnover on downs. So just by their standards, you know, not the most polished showing on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, it did look like for a moment that they were getting some separation there in the third quarter with a couple touchdowns. But then Greenville, who, again, just a four-win Greenville team who was the four seed out of that district, they were able to close the gap to 38-30 to late in the fourth quarter. And then Lovejoy's Jackson Lavender, he returns a kickoff 98 yards for the touchdown. And there you go. Lovejoy was able to get a two-score victory. But, um... You know, I mean, the big, I mean, the usual suspects had big games. R.W. Record, the quarterback, 175 passing yards, 155 rushing yards, four touchdowns. Reed Westervelt, 145 receiving yards, two touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit closer than closer um, you know, than uh, the Love Jim might have otherwise anticipated. But again, it's at this round, yeah. it just you just survive in advance, and you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that. You know, I'm curious to see what it means when they line up against an Everman team that we can talk about actually. Uh, you know, right now with um, a, a match against an Everman team that you know you look at an offense like. 
like Greenville that was able to, uh, you know, have some success getting some chunk plays and whatnot to keep this thing competitive. Everman certainly, uh, you know, relied a bit on some big plays to, uh, to pave its road to victory over Mesquite Poteet yep. in a Division II matchup. This one was won by the Everman Bulldogs, uh, 41 to 33. So um, as you're kind of combing through Devin's, uh, you know, Devin Hassan's game story from this one, what kind of stood out as far as how uh, Poteet Everman went down? Well, you mentioned the big plays, and a lot of it was done on the ground right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Petit actually started the game well. They had a, a 68-yard uh, kickoff return on the opening kickoff by Jeremiah Anukum. Mm-hmm. Get up 7 to nothing, but um, like Petit struggled on offense until like the second half, and and on the other side, Everman was just getting off big run after big run right there. Uh, what did they finish with? Four-something. Where is it at? He, they, I know they finished with over 400 yards of rushing right there. I'm trying to see where it is. Darn it. It was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like somewhere like 460 rushing yards in I this believe game. it, yeah. Yeah, so Everman, they, they got up big. Um, and then and then actually uh, Petit made a comeback to make, actually make it a one-score one game right oh, yeah. there. So um, uh, Jaden Police, he actually threw a five-yard touchdown pass to make it 41-33 to 33 with mm-hmm. uh, 149 left. Um, and then and then even before that, they had like uh, they had some you know some big plays right there. Police had like a like an, like another fourth down conversion on a previous drive to uh, set up like a scoring drive for Zavion Jeans right there to make mm-hmm. it 34 to 26. So it just seems like. Even like late, like you know, their offense came alive, but Everman always had an answer for them. And by the way, I actually found like the rushing stats was actually four thirty nine. Four thirty nine. There you go. Okay, <laughs> I, I was close, but not like there. But I mean, it. You know, like I knew Everman just knowing its playoff pedigree was going to be a tough opponent right there. Mm-hmm. Even though they finished the regular season five and five, like the, 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 that's a team that they have to go through Alito in their district right there. So it's it's not an easy district at all no by doubt. any means at all. So um, they're battle tested. You know, I know they changed coaches a couple years ago, but it seems like they're still kind of relying on that same you know formula that wins them games right there. So um, you know, just you know, unfortunately, you know. Petit season came to an end. They had a really good season. I think they finished eight and three on the year. Yeah, they were second in that district. Second in the district right there. So, you know, nothing to be ashamed about. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Everman was just a little bit too much for them in this game. Yeah. Um, like I said, Frisco ISD on the whole looks like, let's see, 1 0, 2 0, 2 1, 3 1 for Frisco ISD. 3 2, I should say. 3 2 for Frisco ISD. Frisco High, you know, which was state ranked for most of the season. Actually, I think they still might be and whatnot, even if that loss to Lovejoy. They, um, I mean, they took care of business against Roy City 52 to 9. As, I mean, you talk about Everman's run game doing damage. Frisco had, you know, over 275 rushing yards against Roy City. Um, you know, Kari Green, quarterback, nine carries, 102 yards and a touchdown. Sion Usma Harper, who's um, one of the, I mean, the litany of running backs. It doesn't matter who you plug in at the lead running back position for, mm-hmm. for Frisco, man. They just continue to produce. He had 60 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, just a typical, I mean, let's see. They had, wow, I'm just looking over this. They had, I think they what, 11, 12 players had, had at least one carry in that game. So they just were uh, everybody in the depth chart got a chance to shine in that game against Roy City. That offensive line is good. Yeah, very, very. And they um, they were able to make short work of Roy City in this game. Again, for Frisco ISD, you know, the teams that do advance for Lone Star, um, Independence, and Frisco High, I mean, the, it's the second round matchups are going to provide a little bit more theater than this opening round did. With Independence, they're going to draw Highland Park, number two in the state. Um, Lone Star plays Magnolia, who, as we mentioned, kind of had its way with McKinney North. They were the, able to the uh, to win their district and whatnot. And then Frisco is going to play against uh, South, uh, South Oak Cliff, I believe. 
That's and that's, uh, those are two teams that have uh, plenty of history in the playoffs. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, the more uh, yeah should be some exciting matchups in Frisco ISD to come later on this week. Um, that's yeah, just kind of a look around the horn as far as what um what happened at least in the, our coverage area for the first round. We uh, we started off the first round with thirteen games on our coverage schedule, and then one round later we're down to seven. So the uh, well, half the teams are gone. The herd is uh, starting to thin a bit. So we'll see what is in store later on this week yep. when the area round gets going. And um, yeah, we'll be back on Thursday to preview a few of the marquee second round matchups in our coverage area. Um, so yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Um, until next time, folks, you take care and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.